You're listening to The Nerd Table on CKCC Radio, starring Dan Peck. Have you seen the card for the New Japan show tomorrow? It's going to be sweet. Eric Flores. Wait a second. Wait, wait, wait. Okay, go ahead. And CKCC Radio's founder, Chris O'Mealy. Breaking news. I have a crush on Sasha Banks. Listen to CKCC Radio wherever you find your favorite podcast. Hello again, everybody. Welcome back to the Nerd Table. Have a seat and join us on this wonderful October day. Spooky season is finally upon us, and I am excited. We're going to do a very spooky edition of the Nerd Table to get you guys all hyped and pumped for Halloween. And I need my two spooky co-hosts to do it with. So please welcome Dan and Eric. Spooky time. Spooky time. Spooky? You you think I look scary? It's fucked up, man. I mean... I'm actually excited for this month, but but not because (laughs) of the whole spook factor. I'm excited because I get three paychecks this month. Oh, yeah, it's one of those months. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good... It's just one of those months. It's a good... With five five Fridays. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I get paid on Wednesdays. At this job, well, so well, you're fucked. There's only four of those. Ah, uh, I mean, you're right, but it doesn't really matter. So, I remember growing up, every single person I knew got paid every Friday, and then like as soon as I got old enough to have a job, it was like, no, dude, people get paid at weird times. Some people don't even get paid until one time a month. And it's just like, fuck, when did that change? 9-11. Sa- some salary positions only offer you your paycheck at the end of the month. Yep, uh, monthly. But it, yeah. was liter- it was literally 9-11 because they couldn't do their billing that week because everything was shut down. And then some places liked it. I Disney always paid us on Thursdays. I remember that. Payday yeah. for Disney was Thursday, and payday for Universal was Friday. So if I picked up shifts at one of the parks, I would get my paychecks back to back, even though it would always be a small pay amount on the Disney side, because I'd only work like the the one shift, and I'd usually ER from it, if I'm being honest here. <laughs> I, it's true, Eric. I would almost... Oh, I'm, al- I'm aware. <laughs> I would almost always ER from the shifts that I would pick up. I was just doing it to get my hours. So I didn't want to work the whole day. Just I paid summer camp on Saturday because that was like the end of the week. My summer camp job, we only got two paychecks for the for the summer. One we was got every other point. week, I think. Yeah. A lot of jobs do biweekly paychecks. I like the job. I have had a couple jobs that paid weekly. And I did really like that, but at the same time, it's great because you don't have to budget as tightly, but it sucks because it's dangerous what you end up doing with that money when you have it more often. So there's that pull and shove there. That's the thing about getting paid once a month. Uh, I think the weirdest one that I've ever had was I got paid on the 1st and the 15th of the month. Oh, no matter... matter no matter what, it was the first and the fifteenth, which just made February awesome. 
<laughs> but like that was about it. Yeah. So like you'd get paid on this Friday, and then the next Friday because the because the fifteenth of October is a Friday, but then you wouldn't get paid again for another fifteen days. Yeah, roughly. Yeah, I don't know if I'd like that. It was really weird, but like the amounts were nice. I well, mean, you would be getting sure. paid more on the first than you would be getting on the fifteenth every week. No, no, it was it was broken up evenly. Um, uh, the really? way they had it was that you had it was basically a salary position. You got paid so much oh, okay. for the month, but they only gave you half on the first and then half on the fifteenth. Man, when you learned like how how that stuff works, like. No, 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 no. This isn't your pay for this last week. This is pay for the week before that. And you're like, the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's just it. At my new job, our pay period runs from a fr- from Friday to Thursday. So I can't even budget based on my weekly schedule. So I'm just like, oh, well, I don't know how my overtime is going to work because I don't seem to have any. So like I stayed I stayed really late on the one Friday because we were just busy I couldn't leave on time and I'm like oh man is that gonna be overtime like oh no wait Friday's a new pay period yeah so I don't have to worry about this at all until Thursday but nobody's yelled at me for anything like that so let's keep it that way yeah getting paid is weird it's wild y'all it's wild. I just remember, man, okay, all right, so I have to ask, what, what was everybody's first job, and how much were they getting, uh, were you getting paid? I'll, I'll go first. I was definitely McDonald's, <laughs> um, and I was getting paid five sixty five an hour. Did you do everything? When was this? When was I, this? Um, sh- late 90s? I was like... Oh. I had just turned 15, I think. Is it Florida? Yeah, it's Florida. Was it that was minimum above? Because okay, like 515 was minimum wage when I was in the 90s when I was <laughs> You know what? I do remember at some point it was like, no, no, I was definitely 565. Because we, we talked about whatever the minimum wage was, and then the minimum wage went up by the time I actually got hired. Yeah, that was uh, a lot of my friends that got jobs early in high school. Every time they were up for a raise, they would up the minimum wage, so they, didn't, they technically did not get their raise ever. Right. They just kept, kept up with minimum wage. We didn't so. give you your raise. The government did. Yeah. I'm like, well, this is bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) Um, My first job was a camp counselor. No. Yep. It was the Cub Scout camp that was in the same property as the Boy Scout camp I went to every summer. And we all all wanted to work at the Cub Scout camp because it was co-ed and you got to go home every night. If you worked at the Boy Scout camp... You were there until Saturday, and you were back on Sunday for another week. And I'm like, I do not want to live here for six weeks. And I was 14, because you had to, that was the minimum age to work there. The actual counselor position was a den leader. We were the ones that got assigned the kids and got to escort them from point A to point B. So we were the lowest paid. 
and it was $500 for the summer, which we, somebody did the math and determined that it equaled out to like a buck 69 an hour or something like that, because we had Tuesdays and Thursdays were late nights. We would do orientation for the next week. And then Thursday was our, our little campfire for all the parents and everything where we would get to do skits and have, have a good time. But those are actually really long summers now that I think about it. But that was my first job, and I did that two summers in a row. Uh, the first year was was great. Uh, the second year was terrible, so I never went back to working there. My first job was a summer camp. Where <clears throat> uh, we're technically we were we were on salary. So technically, if you broke down, I worked maintenance my first summer. My second summer, I was a counselor. My third summer, I was assistant cook. Give me a more diverse three summers. I dare you. Uh, Roughly, uh, technically, you work 24-6. So I made 20 to 25 cents an hour. (laughs) Wow. Okay, you got us beat. But that's how these jobs were. They were seasonal jobs. They could pay you whatever they wanted. It was seasonal and for technically a nonprofit organization. Okay, so Dan, what was your first like quote unquote real job then? That was GameStop. GameStop. Okay. What What did you I start? Would you start there? I started. Okay, so I was living in North Carolina, and then I went to I went up to New York that summer to help my grandparents with some stuff for the summer, and I was like, eh, I'll just try to get a job while I'm up here, and I got a job at GameStop. And I mentally, last time I was in New York, five fifteen was minimum wage. And he's like, it's for minimum wage, seven fifteen. And I was like, I just got a two dollar raise. <laughs> there you go. <clears throat> um, <laughs> my first quote unquote real job would have been the grocery store. Yeah, because I because yeah, I don't care. The ski resort was also seasonal, so yeah, the grocery store. I stocked shelves in the grocery store. In, I'm a stock boy. Yep, I was a stock boy at the Warwick, New York Shoprite, because that happened to be the one that one of my friends worked at. So it was cool because I got paid the I got paid like eight something an hour, which was higher than normal because it was technically in New York because it was right over the border. <laughs> yeah, when so. was this? Okay, so my GameStop was summer of seven. Uh, this would have been this would have been late high school, so two thousand two, two thousand three ish. So you were making <clears throat> a lot more than minimum wage. Uh, I I don't really know what minimum wage would have been then. It was like five fifteen. Okay. Yeah, I was making. Yeah, I, I think it was eight something, but. I didn't really get that. I didn't get a decent schedule out of it because I was in school at the time. So they could only work me certain times. You also get fucked by taxes because you worked in New York but lived in New York. Yes, I did. So I didn't get that much take home pay. But. Thanks for your 40 hours. Here's your 30 bucks. (laughs) Oh, I didn't make 40 hours, dude. If he was still in school, you're not allowed to give you more than. Pretty sure I made like 16 hours. So I didn't make that much money. But it was a job, and it was, you know, because the whole whole point was I was going to be driving, so I needed 
I needed to have gas money and, you know, hey, you want to go out with your friends? You got to got to pay for it on your own. So get a job. OK, I'll get a job then. And I thought the grocery store was going to be better than the ski resort because, it, you know, wasn't seasonal. But I ended up liking the ski resort better. And I left the grocery store and stuck with the ski resort until that wasn't a viable option anymore. So. But yeah, there you go. That was our, our first jobs. Man, my first job sucked. And actually, my second job sucked too, because my second job was GameStop. <laughs> I never worked and at a McDonald's, and I never worked at a GameStop. Be happy about that. They're, they're I, not missing out on much. <laughs> I almost worked at two GameStops. Uh, one just didn't pan out, and the other one, they didn't call me. So... But we we were we were possibly going to move to the Tampa area and be closer to Shannon's family. So when uh, I was just like, well, I have to at least get something because we were we were planning the move without really like a job plan. So I was like, well, I'll just go work at a GameStop. And then I gave him an application. They didn't call me. So I was just like, well, I, I didn't even have to consider it. Mm. I loved 90% of working at GameStop, but that 10% I didn't probably filled up 50% of liking working at GameStop. Well, can we all agree that the worst part of those jobs are the people that enter the store? No, I, I disagree with that. I feel like the worst part of working at GameStop was them like making sure that you got reservations and... and uh, yeah. And selling their magazine. Oh, uh, it was one of those. <clears throat> but outside of that, the next would probably be some of the dumb, dumb people. But I, I worked at a high volume store. It was the the Florida Mall. Oh yeah. So there wasn't really much that I could do before, like I, you know, lose my fucking mind. That's like the thing, right? What's like what's like the the, the quote unquote typical j- first job that people have that you never ever worked at? Like, like you guys did GameStop. That's a popular one. I did a grocery store. Um, Dan and I did summer camps. Eric did McDonald's. Those are all pretty popular. Did anybody ever have a paper route? No, 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 okay. dude. Where I live, paper routes were guys in a car who were gone all day because that's how far apart houses were. <laughs> okay. Well, all right. So there you go. Paper route doable where I live now, not where I grew up. <laughs> <clears throat> all right. Just not not that you could even if like you lemonade could... stand. <laughs> What's a job or even like a place that you never worked at that you would have always wanted to, or at least would have wanted to try to somewhere where you couldn't actually make like a career out of it. Like, let's just say, Oh, it would have been cool to work at the shopping mall in that store or whatever. Was there ever a place like that, that you always kind of wish you had a chance to work at when I was younger? Yes. Hot topic. Oh, you wanted to work at hot topic. Yes. I thought just like that must be the most chill fucking job ever. <laughs> Every time you work in there, it looks like you're miserable and I feel like that's part of the theme. <laughs> you are probably right. I think that's just the people that they hire, but 
or is it the aesthetic that they want to put on? I, I just know. like I know for a fact that at my McDonald's job ruined me so much that I never wanted to work for another food company again. Oh yeah. Well, that was just it. I never wanted to work with food. Right. Let me rephrase that because I work for a food company right <clears throat> now, but I don't make food. You don't want to cook the food, right? Correct. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. And I understand that. Uh, my big thing, I always wanted to work in a bookstore. Like a Barnes and Nobles? Yeah. That would have been cool. I would have really enjoyed that. Is that the poop all the time? What? It's like a psychological fact that the smell of bo- paper books makes people have to take a shit. Well, I have chronic stomach issues, so maybe it's a good thing that this didn't happen. Is that why there's magazines in the bathroom? <laughs> oh, my God. All right. Well, speaking of pooping all the time, that's a terrible segue because I don't know where I'm going with this. That's, speaking of that, that's why I didn't eat my dinner yet. <laughs> all right. Well, speaking of other shit. Yeah, other shit. So, it's October, and... Is it? I am reading The Shining by Stephen King, and then, of course, you have the movie, which is one of my all-time favorite horror movies, and the book and the movie are, as to be expected, pretty damn different, while also being very similar. They made a made-for-TV one with Steven Weber that was more with the book. I'm, I'm considering watching that <coughs> because I've heard it's it's way more – it's it's a way closer story. You want to so, know what's – he uses a croquet mallet instead of an axe. Yeah, Roke. <laughs> yeah, it's Roke. That's basically it. Well, that that's what it is in the book. So um, I found an article that kind of sums up – they kind of do like a breakdown of some of the differences – So I'm going to use that as, like, my bullet points here. But I kind of want to just go over the differences of Stephen King's Shining versus Stanley Kubrick's Shining. Because here's the thing, and I can't stress this enough. They're both very good for different reasons. Even though the story is somewhat different in the the general story it's telling. I mean, yes, it's it's still a family caretaking a hotel. Danny still has the shining. He can still talk to other people that shine. It's a it's a gift, you know. Uh, they they still have the brilliant Simpsons parody with the shinning, not to be confused with the Jason shinning. And I don't know why you would want that. Hey, Jason. Nobody wants that, dude. And you you would know that too. Eric still has to meet you, and we're gonna introduce him to the insanity that is you. Uh, you're in for a treat, Eric. <laughs> he wants to be on this show too, and I'm like, yeah, well, we'll make it happen. But he's a he's a he's an interesting character. Uh so let's let's go over a couple of the big differences here. All right, so before you start, I gotta I gotta do it. You know I don't like scary movies. Yes, they. Yeah, God, I love I love. We could do a whole episode on the Ready Player One differences, but my God, that was my favorite difference between the book and the movie was that they incorporated the shining into it and do a whole scene. I'm like, this is perfect. I love that movie so much. Whereas in the book, they're doing Money, Python, and the Holy Grail. Yes. 
which would have been fun too. But nah, Shining is Shining was good. <clears throat> okay, so Jack Torrance is the main character's name. The first big difference is that in the movie he's Jack Torrance, but in the book he's actually John Daniel Torrance. Jack is kind of a nickname given to him from his father. There's a lot more backstory about the character here. So, the big difference here is that the Jack in the book is basically an alcoholic who's down on his luck. He keeps losing jobs. He has flashes of rage that were brought on from his alcoholism. Uh, the, The two big incidents are he literally beats the piss out of one of his students... So, which causes him to lose his teaching job. And he accidentally breaks Danny's arm in a fit of rage at home. But the difference is he's still a caring guy. He is trying to better himself. And he's slowly going insane from the hotel. Okay? So that's that's the, the first difference there. In the movie, he's pretty much a little crazy from the get-go. It just gets crazier as the film goes on. And the craziness is just brought on from the fact that he can't finish his play and he's just going mad in his own mind. Whereas in the book, he's sort of being manipulated by the spirits of the hotel. Okay? You guys following me so far? No. I'm kidding. Go, yeah. (laughs) Well, Eric, you're not a book guy, so this is as close to reading the book as you're probably going to (laughs) get. That's fair. <laughs> <clears throat> so, yeah, so that's that's pretty much the big difference there with the, the Jack character. Um, Wendy, the book Wendy is supposed to be this drop-dead gorgeous blonde. In the movie, it's Shelley Duvall, who they specifically cast because she's kind of plain-looking. <clears throat> In the movie, she's also... Very quiet, very submissive, but she's a strong, independent character in the book and actually, like, stands up to to Jack Torrance several times, whereas Shelley Duvall's Wendy is kind of just a fraidy cat. So they didn't do the Wendy character any justice. And was literally tortured on set to look tortured in the movie. Yes, that was that is a thing that happened. She did not like that experience. Plus, everybody knows Stanley Kubrick's ultimate uh, director quirk, right? That it's no. not it's not unusual to have over a hundred takes of the same shot because he's always trying to do it over again. He's very, very maddening with how many takes he'll get of something. And when it's an awful thing happening to your character, it's, and they it, keep putting you in an awful headspace over and over and over again. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> Danny is pretty much the same. He's got The Shining. He's still a little boy and everything. Um, But in the book, he actually communicates directly with Tony and knows what Tony is and knows that Tony's manipulating him. In the movie, he's just kind of confused. Tony's sort of whatever. And he only ever sees the el- the blood elevator and the two twins, you know, come play with me, Danny. In the book, yeah. he sees a lot of shit. He sees the fire hose come to life and try to attack him. The hedge animals try to attack him. And is it all in his head or whatever? 
that's all he sees a lot more blood stains on the wall, a lot more writing gun gunshot holes from where the gangsters got shot because they go into the overlooks history. You know, there were gang members that were there and, and executions took place and all these crazy parties and crazy orgies happened there. That's really fleshed out. And Danny sees flashes of all that stuff. So that's where the character differences are. The hotel itself is the big one. The hotel itself... In the movie, the hotel is a hotel that has a couple of ghosts and some creepy stuff that happens. Right? That's the movie hotel. The book hotel is the whole hotel is basically alive. The hedge animals can move. They attack. The um, the fire hose turns into a snake. And it, Danny, there's a whole thing with Danny. You know, if I cover my eyes... None of it's real. When I look away, none of it'll be there anymore. And then, of course, that never happens. So, well, it does happen, As but it in doesn't. he never does it, or well, there's a lot of amb- there's a lot of ambiguity there. Because yeah, when Danny turns back around, the hedge animals are all back where they were, but something did slash his leg, and he has a gash on his leg. Something did attack him from behind, and he saw the hedge lion kept getting closer and closer every time he looked. Like the Weeping Angels, they're closer every time he looks. And like so, booze. well, that's the whole thing. Like it is, you're you're meant as the reader, you're meant to figure out: it, are they going insane, or is this actually happening? So, the hotel, you know, he just rides his trikey around, and and the two the twins show up. There's no twins in the book, but there's other apparitions. Um. Of course, I know they went to painstaking lengths to make sure the kid never saw anything fucked up while they were making the movie. Yes, that is true. Which is maybe one of the reasons why some of those things don't happen because they would wouldn't have been able to do that. <laughs> yeah, the big difference, of course, the family relationship. Uh, they're they're much closer in the book than the movie. You know, he he is a very caring father. We see a lot of his thoughts. He is trying really hard to protect his family. This does lead to the ending, which we'll talk about, you know, and he even says like, hey, if we need to get out of this hotel, we can, you know, at some point the Rangers are going to come check on us because they always do. They check on the caretakers and when they come, we can leave with them and we can say, forget this job. We'll we'll get out of here. Is this in Maine? Because it's freaking Stephen King. No, it's in Colorado. But Um, you know where they move there from? (laughs) (laughs) they move from new england vermont's mentioned quite a bit but maine does come up yeah Yeah. now the hotel is in colorado but you are correct uh new it it wouldn't be king without some new england in there um the other big difference is with uh we kind of talked about the the whole jack thing like you know, and, and the differences with his insanity there. So no TV and no beer makes him something something, right? Well, that's not even in the book. There is no all no work, all work and no play. He actually uses his play as a, a cathartic thing. It doesn't drive him insane. The big thing is the shining itself. So we know that Danny's got a powerful shine. That's how he. That's how he talks to. Uh, so he talks to Dick Halloran. 
And this, I, I have to tell the story because it made me laugh. And it happened while I was driving because I, I had the audio book on. And there di- the guy reading the audio book is great. And he's really like gets into it with some of these parts. And he's just like, so Dick Halloran suddenly heard the voice cry, oh, Dick, come, please come, Dick. Oh, Dick, come. And I just started giggling like a friggin' six-year-old. <laughs> and I'm like, this is not supposed to be funny, but here I am laughing because I'm a very mature adult. To be fair, you guys would have laughed, too. Oh, I would have laughed my ass off. Yeah. <laughs> There's no denying she would have laughed your ass off. <clears throat> so, of course... um, yeah. Dick knows how powerful Danny's shine is, and he knows the hotel messes with people that have the shine, which is why he comes and races to the rescue. Uh, there's not really a good explanation in the movie other than, oh, you can talk, you can hear my thoughts, and I can hear yours. And That's Scatman Crothers, right? Yes. So, uh, there's 237 or room 217, depending on which version you're in. The big difference, of course, is that Danny goes in the room in the book and only Jack goes in in the movie. Uh, The old lady dies in the tub and comes after Danny, but he never really sees the old woman. There's never really a full explanation on it. Jack does see the old woman and the old woman comes after him. But in the movie, it's this this young girl and he makes out with her and then she melts away. So that's the thing. Uh, the hotel blows up in the book. That doesn't happen in the movie. <laughs> and of course, uh, Dan already mentioned this, Axe versus the Roke Mallet. That's the big difference. <clears throat> uh, of course, there's no Here's Johnny because we know that was an improvised line that good old Jack himself came up with. The, the real Jack. The crazy Jack. Actually, it's a good line. <laughs> now, actually, now that I think about it, there may not be that much of a difference. Is he still alive? That's actually a really important question that I need to know right now, because I know he's really old and I know he basically hasn't been seen in public in forever. All right. So let's see. Jack Nicholson. Let's look him up on IMDb. Yeah, he's still alive. Yeah, I think I would have heard about Jack Nicholson dying. I mean, he's in, like, his eight, he's in his 80s, but his last actor credit was in 2010, so he's just enjoying retirement at this point. But that's the other thing. He doesn't even come to the, uh, he hasn't come to the award ceremonies anymore. Remember, he was always at the Oscars in his fa- the same seat with the sunglasses on? He's not even there anymore. Does he but, go to Lakers games still? That's a good question. <clears throat> yeah, the big thing is that Jack Torrance loves his son. He very much cares for his son. But because he's already somewhat crazy in the movie, it, it doesn't feel like a sincere thing. And then, of course, the big the big difference is the, uh, the death. <clears throat> we all know that Jack dies. That's not a secret. That's not even a spoiler. That's a thing that everybody knows from The Shining. Yeah, in the the movie, he chases them into the hedge maze. Yep, and then he just fries. He just freezes. Yeah. Uh, In the 
In the book, he actually sacrifices himself to save Danny and Wendy so they can escape the hotel. So there's your difference. One dies a hero, the other dies a murderous rampager. Uh, the only last difference is the ending. We see that uh, Jack Old was picture. a Jack was a party guest. In the book, it's a painting, and we're never really wherever we never really know what the painting is. But it says that as soon as Jack saw it, he knew he was doomed. That's the ex- explanation they give. So that's pretty much the the main differences here. Um, the book is more focused on the hotel being its own paranormal psychological thing and kind of attacking the caretakers. The movie is basically, this guy's a little crazy and we put him in a bad environment to only increase his insanity. <laughs> and this is the result that you get. Wait till you see what happens next. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And the that's... Shining was basically a, a, a reality show gone wrong. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Oversimplification, but I'll allow it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but that's it. That's my... Uh... I would recommend... Here's the thing, though. This And I can't stress this enough. As good as the book is, when it's good, it's very good, but it's Stephen King. So there's a lot of tedious wording you have to get through. And the pacing can be a little off. They'll do this great dramatic chapter where Danny is in room 217 and he sees the shadow of the old lady. And as he's trying to escape, you know, the door is shut. He can't open it. Something touches his shoulders, but he refuses to look like it's all atmospheric, right? It's all tension building. It's being told from his point of view. You're in his shoes. It's terrifying. The next chapter is like, Jack has a flashback to the time the kid in college stuttered, and he punched him in the face because he stuttered. And I'm like, okay, cool. So, that... Today, Junior. Yeah, that that derailed our... uh, That derailed the momentum we were going for there. Very flashbacky moments, and they're good to set up Jack's character, but there's a lot of them. And King is very, very descriptive, but almost to a fault where at times you're just like, okay, yes, I get it. You've you spent enough time describing what the floor looks like in this room. Oh, we're on the, the wallpaper now. Okay. Well, I have a very vivid idea of the wallpaper because you just spent three sentences describing that. Oh, the chandelier? Okay, let's talk about it. I mean, trust me, I can see it in my mind's eye, but eh. But the, the, the cranulations, Chris. <clears throat> Well, I mean, he writes like an intellectual, and I'm not, you know, intimidated by big words. It's not like he's using words I don't understand. I just don't think that they're necessary. I think he can. He could have. I think he can still tell his story without being as descriptive as he can. That's just his writing style. I mean, I told. I don't know if I told you guys this, but a couple of years ago, I actually started reading it, and the first chapter is very straight and to the point. Georgie goes out with his little paper boat. And gets friggin' murdered. And it's terrifying, and it's to the point. No excess bullshit. Every chapter after that is each individual character getting set up. And they are tedious AF. And I was just like, alright, well, that's how this is gonna be. And of course, one of the characters kills himself before, as the adult... So you don't need, so you have to spend the whole rest of the book knowing the character is dead. 
So you don't give a crap about them. But I didn't make it very far into it before I was like, this this is annoying. But I'm going to try again after The Shining. I'm probably going to watch It Chapter 1 and 2 back to back because they're better than the original. Do not at me. I like Tim Curry, but they are so much better. So, Dan, you are not a horror guy. We've established this. Horror movies are not your thing. But te- but what are some movies, maybe in the scarier genre or anything like that, uh, that you have seen that you did enjoy? Well, I like me some zombies and zombie adjacent things. Okay. I also enjoy me some Evil Dead. Well, Evil Dead movies are friggin' great. Which is like zombies slash demons. They're demon zombies. The best of both worlds. Plus, plus Bruce Campbell. Plus Bruce Campbell, which I like. Which I like is really fun because, like, they, you know, cons are starting to happen again, and I just saw another one or your picture, and there's like Robert Englund and the whatever Kane guy that was always Jason. Oh yeah, I shared that today. Yeah, and then like. Uh, you know somebody else that's like in a million horror movies, and then there's Bruce Campbell, and they're like out of like the horror gods, they're all bad guys, and then there's Ash, and then there's Ash. I did a uh, I did this in our one of the old WWE games, and I want to stream some some more of that when I when the new one comes out after I see the reviews and make sure it's worth getting, but. I did I did a fatal four-way between Michael Myers, Freddy Krueger, Jason Voorhees, and Ashley Williams. And friggin' Jason won it, but but I was like, well, who else can I throw? I'm like, okay, I got Michael, Freddy, and Jason. Who else can I throw in this? I'm like, Pinhead? No. It's not, you, nobody's going to make a good ghost face, and that, I don't really count that one. I'm like, who else? You, you can't put a Chucky in there without it looking lame. I'm like, I got it. Ash Williams, groovy, and he did not win. Jason Voorhees won. Ghostface isn't like an actual thing. It's just different people have put on the costume. Yeah, but people like those movies, so kill people. Yeah, but it's not like you know. There's like a definitive like. Jason is Jason and Freddy's Freddy, but like Ghostface. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right about that. You are correct about that. As a matter of fact, in the first movie, there's fucking two of them. Yeah, that's true. That is true. Although, hey, in the first Friday the 13th, there's no Jason. Not until the last scene of the movie. Yeah. So what... So Okay, so zombies, then. Uh, what are some of the, the zombie films that you enjoy? Ooh, Shaun of the Dead. Shaun of the Dead is fantastic. Shaun of the Dead is amazing. Especially when it takes that turn in the third act from it's like no longer funny funny. It's just straight <laughs> horror for that last sec- segment. Yeah. Holy shit. I know. It's so good. Gotta go pretty much all the Romero films. Do you have a favorite out of, the, out of the Romero classics? Do you have a favorite? Does one stand out? Um, man. 
Like night and dawn are essentially like the same start on like the same day, but dawn goes longer. Hmm. Okay. I don't know. Night's so good, and it's a uh, public whatever the thing is. Public domain. Public domain, yeah. It's protected too. Night of the Living is it, Dead. Is it Criterion? I think it is actually. It's so good. But Don Don goes to do more uh social commentary because land because uh, Night of the Living Dead is just essentially oh, there's a couple of racists. <laughs> yeah. And that's the social commentary. Yeah. Because the guy lives, and then they shoot him anyway because he's black. Social commentary. All right, well, Eric, what about you? I have a guilty pleasure movie. Uh, Puppet Master. Oh, my God, that movie's so bad. It's so bad that it (laughs) makes this list. Fair enough. I'm not a fan of horror movies as well. Uh, so if I'm watching a horror movie, it also has to make me laugh. So I'm thinking like Puppet Master or like Leprechaun. Leprechaun oh. sucks. I'm sorry, everyone. Uh, that movie was not good. Just with that Bubba Hotep with Bruce Campbell. and Ozzie Okay, Davis. I liked Bubba Hotep. I own Bubba Hotep. So do I. I was like, the reason why half the people in my college end up seeing it because I got it on DVD and made everybody watch it. Yep, that was one <laughs> of those ones. I bought Bubba Hotep and Johnny Dangerously on the same day on a blind recommendation because I was in college, I was working, and I had no expenses because you know I'm still living at home, so I was able to spend my money freely. And and uh, my buddy Andy actually helped recommend me on that, and our old buddy Tim. I hope is doing well because I, I always knew about Johnny Dangerously because my family would do the Fargan ice holes and the yeah. Simone Beach and uh... <laughs> no, that, those were recommended to me. I bought them on the same day, watched them back to back, so I, I actually have them sitting next to each other on my shelf for that reason. That's a memory. Uh, I have a funny, scary movie oh. story. Bastage. <laughs> so y'all know the first scary movie. The comedy, the Wayne's Brothers. Yeah. Yes. And okay, it's, yeah. it's absolutely brilliant. You know how raunchy that is, right? Yeah. <clears throat> there is a uh, cut. The scene that got cut of him literally fucking. So, I saw that in theaters with my parents on Disney property. Yeah, I saw that movie like, with my aunt, I think, and my uncle. And shout out to my parents who laughed harder than I did. But yeah, and that would have been 2000, so I was still in high school, which meant I wasn't working at Disney, which meant we were on vacation, and we went to the movies and saw a scary movie, and, well, that's what came of that. They laughed. I laughed. Everyone laughed. What else could you ask for? Like watching uh, Deadpool with your sister sitting next to you (laughs) as the... uh calendar girl scene happens. 
Or like if you would, were to watch Game of Thrones with your parents during certain scenes. For example, uh, the ending scene of the first episode. I wouldn't watch... I don't know if I would watch any any scenes <laughs> of Game of Thrones with anybody. What? I'm kind of quite, quite happy that I'm alone in my room. His, I still love watching that first episode and texting Chris Decker, my resident Game of Thrones expert, and I was like, isn't that his sister? And he texts me back and writes, his twin sister, D-W-I-N, all capitalized. <laughs> yeah, they shared a womb. They belong together. <laughs> uh, Game of Thrones has... Uh, there is a couple of episodes of Game of Thrones that can be almost horror-ish. Uh, you're not you're not there yet. Yeah, you're not there yet. But there is an episode involving the Night King and the the wildlings north of the Wall that almost goes straight horror at one point. And I was like, "This is pretty cool." And then my wife is like, "Who doesn't do horror movies?" Is like, "I don't like this episode." I'm like, "I'm loving this episode. Give me more of this episode." Then again, I like the more horror episodes of Doctor Who. So. A Doctor Who can do some pretty good horror episodes, too. There is some downright creepy shit. The Angels? That's all I gotta say. Yeah, the Angels are creepy as hell. Dude, even just, like, first season of the new new Doctor Who, the fucking kid. <laughs> the Statue of Liberty is a weeping angel, by the way. Yeah, man. Which is a good thing, because there's always somebody looking at that shit, so it ain't gonna go anywhere, ever. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Statue of Liberty saves the day in Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. That's right. That's right. Uh, so, who's looking forward to the new Ghostbusters movie that's coming out? I am. This shit's going to yeah. be awesome. It's going to be great. Have you heard that uh, Jason Reitman was so hands-on that he literally went down to the tiniest detail, including how the ectoplasm looks? He's insisting to, on getting this right. I have a lot of faith in him. It's like his father's like top thing. So like, yeah. I, I think I think we're gonna get something really good out of this. He's a new generation making it for a new generation. I think it's cool. It's all about like Egon. After everything calmed down, he retired and moved to like the middle of nowhere in the middle of the country or whatever. And yeah, it's it's his family all fighting all his old shit. Dude, I was sold when they released the trailer piece that just had the little Stay Puft Marshmallow Men coming to life and terrorizing the supermarket. I was sold at that point. I'm like, okay, I'm seeing this. This is fucking brilliant. <laughs> I, I was already seeing this, but now I'm really seeing this. And then by the time you get to the part where they're rolling through town in the Ecto, and they like go into a gunner seat, and you're just like, fuck yes. <laughs> More, please. So Ghostbusters is uh one of my one of my annual watches in October. I've got I've got the list, you know. Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown, Nightmare Before Christmas, but it's always I've Ghostbusters. Never seen Great, Pumpkin. Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown? Yeah, I've never seen it. I've read several of the, you know, comics where Minus is talking about it, but I've never actually seen the special. It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown. You owe me restitution. Yeah, uh, well, you've got Plex. I've only seen the Thanksgiving, like, a couple years ago for the first time. Well, you have access to my Plex. It's on there, so... The Thanksgiving is kind of fucked up. Well, yeah. 
Yes. Not that like anything weird happens, but it's just like, do parents know what their kids are doing? <laughs> no, they don't. Well, uh, watch the Halloween one. The freaking kid spends the entire night in the pumpkin patch and his sister has to go out to get him. The mom and dad don't even realize he's not in his bed. It's four in the morning and Lucy has to go out and pull Linus back into the house and basically well, put him to bed. Coming. You'll miss tricks or treats. I think the best part about that is the fact that Charlie Brown tries to dress like a ghost and because he can't get the, the holes right. So he's just got like, there's just like 50 holes in the sheet. Yeah. And then everyone just gives him a rock. I got a rock. I got bubble gum. I got five pieces of candy. I got a rock. Poor Charlie Brown. Yeah, Nightmare Before Christmas, of course. Watch that every year. Twice, you watch actually. watch all the way through, or do you watch it until what's this? And then no, that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. No, if I start a movie, I'm finishing it. Nope, nope. I watch it twice. I watch it in October. I watch it again in December. I know someone told me that they did the, like, they watch until it transitions. And I'm like, you realize that this movie is only, like, 80 minutes long, and that's, like, the first 15 minutes you might see. Yeah, that's really not, yeah, no, I, I would not be able to do that. Uh, Ghostbusters always, always go watch me some Ghostbusters. I always try to watch something new or something I haven't seen in a really long time. Uh, last year I rewatched the first Alien movie. It had been a long time, and that's such a good. That's that's a really good horror movie that you may not actually think of when you're looking for stuff to watch around Halloween. When you're looking, because I feel like when you're looking for horror movies, everyone's going for the slashers, the monster classics, or anything with the Halloween theme, the family stuff. Hotel also, Tokyo. Alien's very deceptive because it's just a movie. It's a movie, and then, yeah. ha- and then and then halfway through, things change. Yes, <laughs> basically, yeah. It uh, it becomes a horror movie, and becomes a very good one too. <clears throat> yeah, Alien is a uh, Alien's good. Jaws. I actually watched that over the summer though, because I I considered that a summer blockbuster, and it had been a while since I'd really watched the movie in its entirety. I'm like, I'm gonna sit down and watch Jaws. I'm like, this is a good horror movie, but I also complained about it because that was one of those ones where Spielberg Spielberg messed up. He got greedy on the jump scare and threw one in where the dead body comes out of the boat when they're they're investigating the shark attack. And it's like, oh, that's a good jump scare. Well, you know what he wanted the jump scare to be? The shark's big reveal. You know, you're going to need a bigger boat. And when the audiences saw that scene after he got them the first time, they didn't react as much as they had before that. And he's like, well, son of a bitch, I learned my lesson. No more jump scares. No, because that was the only jump scare. That's a jump scare the character does. The character does the jump scare, not you. Yeah. No, the freaking, uh, yeah, that's the, the whole point is like the shark big reveal is the jump scare. Let's see how you like this. And then, holy crap, there's the shark. That was the big the big reveal, but he got greedy. You only needed the one, and you got greedy. But you know, Jurassic Park only has one jump scare, but it's a damn good one. Do you know what I'm talking about? The original Jurassic Park has one jump scare. Do you know what it is? Um, 
Mr. Hammond, I think we're back in business, and fuck, there's a raptor. (laughs) The raptor just pops out of nowhere and scares the shit out of Ellie, and I'm like, that's all you needed. It's the only jump scare in the movie, and it works, because it's the only one. The scariest part of that movie is the the kitchen. The kitchen scene, because it's all atmosphere. Yes. It's atmosphere. you, You just imagine yourself in that room. And you're just like, I would be fucking dead. You know, they, you know they did that on purpose, right? That was the, the idea of the camera angle. Everything yeah. shot from the kid's point of view, which is why the camera's on the floor. The raptors were always shot from above. Or from below, I mean. That's the brilliance of filmmaking. So good. Uh, J- Jurassic Team your Spielberg. <laughs> Excelente. It's muy bueno. Yes. Ah, yes. Okay. Can we talk about my favorite Halloween tradition, the Simpsons Treehouse of Horrors? Oh, yeah, sure. Wow. All right. So Dan's enthusiasm aside. uh, Yes. Treehouse of Horror is the annual Simpsons Halloween episode. It always consists of three shorts. They're always parodying something. There have been a ton of these at this point. Um, some of them are very good. Some of them are not. But they're always worth watching. I've seen every single one of them. And I always go out of my way to watch it, even when it's just like, well, this isn't really like a season that I'm digging, because it's a new season, but I'm still going to going to go out of there and and watch this because I I have to see it. You know, they've got... Everything's been parodied pretty much to death. There have been a couple of original stories. Uh, In fact, the very first official story that didn't have a direct inspiration didn't happen until Treehouse of Horror 7, which was... There were actually two of them, The Thing and I and Citizen Kang. The Thing and I is Bart discovering he was a Siamese twin and his crazy brother, Hugo. Oh, I do love that episode. Yeah, that's a good one. And then Citizen Kang is the presidential election between Clinton and Dole when Kang and Kodos take over. And that one's brilliant, too, because it's got all it's got some of my favorite lines in it. <laughs> well, I believe I'll vote for a third party candidate. <laughs> Go ahead. Throw your vote away. <laughs> and then Ross Perot just punches out his hat. He still couldn't win against two aliens. And then, of course, don't blame me. I voted for Kodos. That's right. (laughs) But they've parodied so much stuff, which is, uh, I mean, which is great because there's there's always going to be something something fun in there. But the very first Treehouse of Horror, which aired in 1990. They did the Amityville Horror spoof, which also borrowed from Poltergeist. They did the To Serve Man parody from The Twilight Zone. And they did the retelling of The Raven, which they were worried about. They're like, man, this isn't really very good. People are going to hate this. And now it's one of the most popular parodies they ever did. Because they just retell The Raven story with Homer as the narrator. And Bart as the Raven. And Bart as the Raven. Uh, I've mentioned this before. My favorite personal one is Treehouse of Horror 3, 
which has the evil talking crusty doll, which is both a child's play parody and a Twilight Zone parody. In fact, it actually borrowed heavier from Living Doll than it did from Chucky. Talking Tina. And I and I don't like you very much. I'm Krusty the Clown, and I'm going to kill you. <laughs> I didn't even have to pull the string that time. The King Kong parody, which is just... I mean, they parody a full-length movie in six minutes, and they do it pretty well. And then Dial Z for Zombies, which has... Dad, you killed the zombie Flanders. He was a zombie? <laughs> One of the one of my favorite Simpsons quotes, but my favorite of all time is their Shining parody, which is called The Shinning, because they do a brilliant friggin' parody of that movie in a very very quick amount of time. And that episode's fun too, because it's got Time and Punishment, which is every time Homer goes back in time, he st- steps on a bug and alters the future in terrifying ways. And then Nightmare Cafeteria, which is Soylent Green turned up to eleven. <laughs> so. Just make it work. They've done that. You could say there's a little bit of Ooter in all of us. (laughs) In fact, you might just say we ate Ooter and he's in our stomachs right now. (laughs) Uh, Oh, wait. Scratch that one. (laughs) The Nightmare on Elm Street one's really good, too, with Willie. (laughs) Aw, bitch. (laughs) Bart, the next time we go to sleep, we could die. And Grandpa just goes, hey, welcome to my world. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's so fucked up. <laughs> uh, I've thought about hosting a cast party on one of these upcoming days when I'll when I'll uh, host like a watch party or something on Discord, and I'll pull up the uh, Simpsons Treehouse of Horrors, and we'll just do a little marathon of them. We can sit in the chat and just enjoy some Simpsons Halloween goodness. So, if anybody's up for that. The 2001 with Pierce Brosnan as the voice. Hey, how about we use 007's voice? You mean George Lazenby? No, Mom. (laughs) The best part is that Matthew Perry has one line in that episode, and they got Matthew Perry to voice it. (laughs) Could I be any more of a house? (laughs) George Uh, Lazenby? (laughs) That's the same episode that has the Harry Potter spoof. Because, that, that, yeah, that's got the whiz kids, they call it. <laughs> the evil Lord Monty Moore and his companion Slithers, the snake. I must steal his magical essence. I'm not getting anything out of this kid, and it's Ralph Wiggum. He's just like, hey, dying tickles. Yeah, there's there's good stuff. There's always going to be some good stuff. Uh, they've even done the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown, with the Grand... It's the Grand Pumpkin, Millhouse. My favorite part is when they run to the school party, all the characters are dancing repetitively, including Kang and Kodos. So they have to throw that Charlie Brown spoof in there, too. They've done the Twilight parody with Daniel Radcliffe as the voice of the Edward Cullen ripoff, which was always really funny. Uh, they've done some really shitty ones, too. And then they've done some that look like they're going to have potential. Because you hear something like, they're going to parody Paranormal Activity. I'm like, that'll be fun. And then you're just like, that could have been better. They're going to parody the Iona Dr. Moreau. It's going to be called the Iona Dr. Hibbert. And that was okay. (laughs) The one that I think really killed me the most was they did the parody of uh, 
they started parodying stuff just to do a parody of something. And last year they did Into the Homerverse because Spider-Man to the Spider-Verse was the big thing. And I'm like, this is going to be great. And all it was was an excuse to come up with different versions of Homer and make them interact with each other and didn't really parody anything. It parodied it in name only. Oh, I didn't I didn't hate that one, though. But yeah, that one. It was better. But the only the only funny scene of that one is when the clones get so out of control and they pan over all the messed up clones. And one of them is Peter Griffin. That's the only part of that that's really funny. But they've done I mean they've they've parodied everything. They've done Clockwork Orange, they've done Chronicle, they've done the Hunger Games, they've done Kingsman. They did Coraline. The Coraline one's pretty good. They've done The Omen, they did Stranger Things. Uh, one that I do really like is called The Others, where they discover the old Tracy Ullman versions of themselves living in the House of Spirits. And the only one reason that one's fun is because at the end, all these different versions of The Simpsons show up. There's CGI version with uh, John Ratzenberger voicing Homer. There's like the South Park version, the Adventure Time version, an Archer parody, Minions. And they all just show up at once. So I'm like, okay, that was fun. Uh, that was worth it. But... I've, all right, I've done enough geeking out about Halloween stuff here. I need to open the floor back up to you guys. Pick, let's geek out about something. Who wants to geek out about something? Hmm. Let's see. What to geek out about? Because I, I, I have a topic that you two would be better at than me, and I was going to think of, like, good video games that could be horror-themed or have that aesthetic for Halloween. In fact, I know something that Dan wants to play or... Maybe he already started it. I don't know because it's. I haven't seen his streams because I've been working. But oh, yesterday I played some Castlevania Symphony of the Night. Yes. Talk but about I think, that. I think after we're done here today, I'm probably actually going to play Days Gone. I haven't played that. It's real good. Real good. Days you Gone. Much, that's you know how much Joe loves it, right? He literally went on a vacation to visit the, the place that took place and and meet the people who made it. <laughs> I, I am aware of that, yes. Really? Yep. <laughs> yes. I've, it takes what place in Oregon and they're from well, it's um it's about a zombie apocalypse. And you're this guy that was part of a biker gang. And you're having to deal with the world after most people have died. And you got to find different little groups and save people and bring them to the groups. And all the while, you're hoping to find your wife who got uh, separated from you at the beginning of the apocalypse because she's like a super a, a super smart doctor person, <laughs> and you're just some schlub from a biker gang. Hmm. When did it come out? I mean, it sounds familiar. It came out in, like, really early in the year, like, in 2018 or whatever. It was, like, the first big game that came out that year. Why can't I remember it? it like, and I it think there's a PC familiar. version of it now, too, so... This is, like, where you go through and, like, you actually have a bike and you have to go get parts and, like, keep it yeah, yeah. working and shit like that. Okay, you have to yeah. keep it cast up. Which okay. isn't people like act like it's like 
the most difficult thing and awful, but no, it's not that not that crazy. But yeah, it's pretty freaking sweet. <clears throat> I'm kind of excited for like I I, I saw that the uh, Star Wars uh, what's it called visions have come out. I haven't seen them, but I'm excited for that. I just I didn't know that they were each going to be like independent one shot stories. I thought it was going to be like a continuation, and they were just partnering up. Is it like Animatrix? Like, but there's like a different 15, 20 minute story. That's what I'm getting from it. Yeah, that's still Which pretty okay cool, though. Yeah, I'm still okay with that. It's better than not doing anything. Well, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Outside of that, I really haven't been doing too much. Like, my, like, got the dog. <laughs> this new job has been keeping me busy. So I haven't really had enough time to freak out about everything. I haven't even watched the Nintendo Direct yet. Like, I know it's the one been that out. we talked about in depth. Yeah. Last the week. one that we, yeah, but I, I, I kind of wanted to see it and see their announcements and stuff because I, I feel like they always show trailers and stuff. I still haven't gotten around to seeing it. It was like all trailers, and then at the end, he showed up and said, Spoilers, everybody! This is the Mario movie! It's a me, Mario! (laughs) So, real quick, I just want to touch on something, um, because I've never played The Last of Us, but the the plot sounded very similar. What's the, the big difference there? In The Last of Us, there's even less people that made it through. Um, I was, I was going to say Ashley Johnson. Ashley Johnson <laughs> is one of the characters. And she talks about a guy having a huge dick. Because <laughs> there's a part where you come across, where you you have to get a, a new vehicle, and they come across and they find this guy's dirty magazines. And is she's it? like, well, how does this guy walk? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it, Last of Us, it's a zombie-ish, but it's um, mushroom-based, and it's a lot more in-depth and crazy and, sc- and a little more scary. It's um, the happening, isn't it? Well, it's so. it. So there's already a fungus that uh, that turns ants into zombies. Yes, and it's based off of that. But they're like, well, what if this happened to people? And it makes a really good fucking story. And it starts with when things start, and it will freaking tear your heart out and stomp on it. Mm, okay, but and then it, then it comes back like a few months later. Isn't um isn't Last of Us a bit more of a linear storyline where Days Gone is a bit more? Yeah, open Days world? Gone is open. Days Days Gone is totally open. World. Okay, okay, that's what I was. I, I, uh, okay. But that is yeah, but is more is totally linear. The uh, I mean, they've both piqued my interest as something I might want to stream. So. I enjoyed both of them. I haven't played part two. Yeah, I haven't played it uh, either. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to stick a lot to the, the PC these days just because of the power of it. I don't have a PS5. My PS4 is old, so it's really just a better idea to go with the, the PC right now. Plus for storage purposes and everything. And I've got some older stuff. Like, I've still got 2K19 on here. I'm going to get rid of that, because I'm probably not going to be loading that up again. 
Once you buy something on Steam, you can always re-download it anyway. And it's not like I have a bunch of save issues. I need to keep on some of this older stuff, so screw it. Yeah, and Back for Blood's coming out in like a week or two, which is made by people who made Left for Dead because they can't make any more Left for Dead, so they went on their own and made their own essentially Left for Dead. Essentially Left for Dead. Okay. Did they just lose uh, the rights to it or something? Yeah, they got bought out by Steam when the first first game was so good. Hmm. And then they're just like, we don't want you to make any more of those games because we're allergic to number three. <laughs> like, uh, what's his name who made Half-Life? Oh my god. Can we not on a fucking Half-Life? I was... <laughs> <laughs> allergic you to the number three because we got two portals. <laughs> yeah, that's that's Steam for you as a developer. <laughs> as a publisher. Um, but yeah, like... Um, yeah. Good ho- horror themed games ideas and everything too. Yeah, like Cuz that's the thing, like I want to play I actually went to our nerd table community here. I posted a poll and I listed uh, I found a list of like some of the best horror themed games you can play on the NES cuz I've got the whole library on the Raspberry Pi. So I asked everybody, you know, do a poll. What do you guys want to see me play? Uh, the top vote getters were Nightmare on Elm Street and Ghosts and Goblins. I'm like, okay, well, those are cl- Ghosts and Goblins is a classic. It's an arcade game. Um, it's one of the infamous difficult NES hard games out there. I have played it. It is difficult, but I could stream that for a little bit. And I'm like, and the Nightmare on Elm Street game, I actually like that game. It's a fun little platformer. It's a bit wonky in the control department, which is, I think, where the difficulty comes in. Because you have the uh, the fallback damage. You know, you get hit, you go backwards. And enemies respawn the second they're off the screen. So you'll kill the bat and then try to go back to plan your jump. And then you have to kill the bat again or the bat gets you because it's it's back. So it's one of those. But it's a fun little platformer here. Those are going to be the priorities. And then anything else that pretty much got a vote or piqued somebody's interest, I'm going to look into that. And then some of the other games that seemed interesting to me I'm going to throw in as like so like if I'm going to do an hour stream but I only managed to pull off 30 minutes of Ghosts and Goblins I want to fill the rest of that hour so I'm going to go to one of the other games for that but I am going to play the the infamous Friday the 13th game because of how much everybody craps on it and I have the new Friday the 13th game on the Playstation which is hooked up up here so maybe I'll do a whole Friday the 13th stream and be like, here's what we got, and then here's what we got now. <laughs> and which one of these is better, guys? You tell me. And I still think Among Us counts as a horror game. Um, yeah. Because if will... you were to turn it into a movie, it'd be, it'd be a horror movie. Yeah. You don't know who to trust. Yeah. And your friends are really good at murdering you and lying about it. Or they just want to be left alone to do their tasks, so we suss them anyway. <laughs> Story of my life. I'm sorry, buddy. <laughs> like, I'm not good at this. I'm just going to do my task on my own. Uh-huh, that sounds suspicious. No, really. And then I get voted off, fucking die. Well, now I can do my tasks without you guys fucking with me. 
That's basically what it boils down to. I'm like, y'all better win. My sacrifice will not be in vain. So yeah, there's... Uh, the, were you guys ever big into the, like, the Resident Evil games, the Silent Hill games, some of the famous horror games that came out of the, the early 3D era? Uh, I don't know. I played. I own four on 360, like that re, that re, whatever. But I got as far as when you find the president's daughter, and then the game just gets super hard because it becomes a uh, whatever freaking thing protecting the person thing. Oh yeah, the, okay. I I'm not a big fan of the first three. I love two and I love three. I just hate the controls. I played really almost all of five. I actually got to the very end and just could never beat Wesker. <laughs> I have um, Resident Evil 7 and I have Village. Yeah, I have 7 because of the PlayStation Plus thing for having a PlayStation 5. And that, I that must admit that fucking game scares the shit out of me, man. It's fucking terrifying. It's terrifying. <laughs> and it's yeah. just because... And it's not even the jump scares that get me. It, it's literally... Oh, fuck. I, I saved like an hour and a half ago. I don't remember how to do these goddamn puzzles. Now I need to like... <laughs> run away. I'm scared of dying in the game. I'd rather die in real life. <laughs> oh, is the Alan Wake remake coming out? I think like this next week. That's a really good game. I, I remember. Where there's like these shadow monsters, and you have to you have to shine lights on them in order to to expose them and then make them able to be destroyed. Hmm. Okay. Very good. Very good. I I do remember hearing a lot about that when it came out. Um, our old friend Rob was really big into that game. Yeah, it's made by Remedy. It was made by Remedy who made like uh, the. Um, Max Payne games. Okay. So, it's very good. I might grab that, because I think it's only 30 bucks. Because it's a remake of a game that came out, like, 14 years ago. <laughs> I did just start playing uh, Control, and I feel like Control could be a horror game on its own. Control? Control. It, it came out, what, um... A few years ago. Yeah, a few years ago. And I got it for the PC when it was free on uh, the Epic Game Store. And you basically walk into this government building, right? Because you're looking for your brother. Or I'm already scared. <laughs> but everybody... Are you walking, basically... What kind of government building are we talking? We're talking about the Is DMV? it the IRS? The DMV? Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's like CIA type of thing. Dude, we're going to get shut down. <laughs> but it, it's not an actual government building. You go in there, and apparently everybody can walk by this building and not know that it's there. It's like an invisible building to people. But somehow you manage to find it, and you go inside, and you're, like, looking for your brother or whatever. And you go to the director's room, and the director had killed himself. He, like, shot himself with his gun. So, like any normal person, you pick up that gun, and you become the director. It's really weird. That's that's as far as I got in the story. So, like, the Santa Claus? Yeah. <laughs> if you grab this item, you now become the director. Yeah, and then you start walking through this building, trying to figure out the mystery of whatever the hell. Isn't it a remedy game as well? Just like I was just talking about. I think it's a remedy game. Yeah, 
and and there's already photos like you know how they have those paintings of the of owners and stuff like that you there's already like paintings of, of your hot you. redhead chick <laughs> yeah as the director and it's like this you're the director and and there's painting and then you're just like well okay well how much of this is the fucking game and how much is this like has she been the director the entire time because half the time you're thinking is this bitch crazy she's probably she's, she's gotta be crazy <laughs> what about psychological uh, horrors? How about Bioshock? Yeah, at least the first one. Yeah. Oh yeah, the first one. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Infinite come, goes a little more. It's not like because you're like up in the sky, so everything's lit up all the time. Like, so there's not like a whole lot of creepy, scary stuff going on. Although there is some fucked up shit, and I and I mean more than just the racism. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah. <laughs> um I'm just I'm not a fan of jump scares and bullshit like I don't mind which is why I don't mind like most zombie stuff cuz that's not about that's about thinking about that's thinking about zombies, right? Cuz they're slow and methodical. But the thing is like if you fuck up, it's over. But if you're on your on your game, you can live forever. <laughs> but if you slip up, it's over. Don't mess up. Don't fall asleep. Don't trip. Don't. There's th- those are the horror movie rules, right? Don't say you'll be right back because then you're never coming back. Don't have sex. Don't be a horny teenager or a virgin, apparently. Or black, or name it. There's always a trope. No more tropes. We need originality. And then make those new tropes. Exactly. <clears throat> All right. What's something that uh? Here, here's a good one. What's something that is like a common phobia? That doesn't bother you at all, even if they attempt to make it scary. Like for me, I'm going to say clowns. Like I've clowns never are creepy, but I never been scared of them. Yeah, like, like you can do a good job cr- creating a good evil clown with like Pennywise or Killer Clowns from Outer Space, but that's not going to actually scare me. I can tell you what actually scares me: fucking children laughing. You had me at children, actually. <laughs> yes, Chil- children. Children uh, scare she, me. You forget to pull out and it's it. It's over. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I broke you, didn't I? Jesus Stop Christ. Away. Good God. <laughs> we thought the government was going to cancel us, but... <laughs> I remember I remember one of, the, one of the things I saw that was like... I, I could never tell if this was meant to be a joke or if it was a real thing, but they're like, children are the worst STD that you can have. And I'm like, is that an actual PSA or are you fucking with me? I don't actually know, and I think that's more terrifying that I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what their intention was by that. I guess it depends <clears throat> on your perspective and the kind of person you are. Well, I'll tell you my perspective. Uh, a... They ain't for me, but if they happen, they happen. And B, and this is, and I cannot stress this enough, I will always trust a parent who talks shit about their kids 
but still post cute pictures of them than anybody who acts like their children are the world. Because I know that kids can be shitheads. Everybody knows that kids can be shitheads. When I see a parent being like, oh my god, my kid is such an asshole, but I still see them posting like cute stuff, I know that that's a genuine human being right there. That was like the one comedian was the first one to actually like come out and say that their daughter was a bitch. Yeah. And like even in the special where they say it, it's like, come on, people. If you, if I described my daughter to you and didn't tell you that it was my five-year-old daughter, you would be like, that chick's a bitch. (laughs) But because she's five years old, she can't be a bitch. Right. Exactly. That's just right. Exactly. Those are the people I trust the most to know, like, opinions of their kids, because, I mean, if all you ever do is talk shit about your kid, then I'm going to think you're a shitty parent. But if all you're doing is posting about how wonderful your kid is and all this other stuff, and then I'm just like, no, absolutely not. Like, I'm not saying go out of your way to shame your kid for everything they do, but I mean, like, it's okay to vent about it. When I talk to when I talk to friends of mine who are parents, especially my female friends, and they're like, oh, yeah, my kid's an asshole, like, just telling me that. And I'm like, you know what? I believe I believe you, and I literally believe everything else you tell me. And now when you tell me that your kid's well-behaved and they, they did this and they did great, I absolutely believe that, and I'm happy for it. But, like, if all you do is praise your kid, I have a feeling that you're living in somewhat of a denial state. It's the same thing with any relationship, though, right? Are you ever going to – Can you've seen you, – you all know who I'm talking about on Facebook. We all have those friends, the ones where everything is a blessing with their boyfriend or girlfriend. And then the next thing you know, six months later, they're broken up. And it's like, so yeah, about those blessings. The couples, I believe, are the ones who are just like, look what my dumbass husband bought this time. Ugh. <laughs> and then the husband immediately in the comments is like, this thing is awesome. <laughs> basically me like this thing is fucking awesome <laughs> I mean that's my relationship right there my wife's just like what did she you got buy me a, now he got me a bowling ball for my birthday <laughs> and it even has his finger size well Marge I can't chop your hand off and bring it to the store now can I oh man how that works by the way because I got a bowling ball for Christmas one year, and it is just when you get a bowling ball for Christmas or whatever, it's just a ball. <laughs> There's no holes in it at all. You're supposed to go back to a bowling center and have the person measure you and drill the holes. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying, I love bowling, and I would be okay with somebody gifting me a bowling ball. I still have that bowling ball somewhere on here somewhere. There you go. I've had that bowling ball since... For 21 years, actually, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. It was 2000. Because my best friend invited me to when the teenager bowling league started back up. And I was on the bowling team. On a bowling team. For that year. So what's, um... 
right, so we we kind of talked about this when we did our patron episode about Lord of the Rings, but can you think of any scenes in the movie that scared the shit out of you and it wasn't supposed to be a horror movie? Like when Bilbo Baggins roars at Frodo? Uh, no, that was pretty much it, yeah. That, <laughs> that scared the shit out of me. Like, why? Why would you do this? What made you think this was a good idea? <laughs> Thankfully, it only happens to you the one time. They didn't need any more jump scares in that movie. They didn't need that one. <laughs> ah, like, ah! <laughs> what about the friggin' like the 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 friggin' uh, the the elevator in Willy Wonka? I brought the elevator. In. Just like, why is this happening? Oh, it just keeps going up. And the snakes uh, in uh, that tunnel. Yeah, really. I actually found this is uh, Screen Rant's 15 scariest scenes in non-horror movies. Let's see. Uh, the Empire Strikes Back. Oh, apparently it's because kids would be terrified of Puppet Yoda. Eh. Uh, here's a good one. Rear Window. Okay, what, when? When he notices that he's being looked at, he's being spied upon. Oh, and he comes after him? He comes after him. That's All right, that's a good one. Okay. Raiders of the Lost Ark. Don't look. <laughs> oh, the melting Nazis. Sure, the yeah. melting Nazis. Let's see. Marathon Man. I have not seen this. Uh, so, uh, okay, Clockwork Orange is on here. That's got a couple of pretty terrifying scenes. Not terrifying in, like, the, the jump scare way, but in, like, the, you guys are doing these things and you just don't care. Now, <laughs> uh, what else we got on this list? Let's see. 2001 A Space Odyssey. That's atmospheric. Wizard of Oz. I know the flying monkey scared people. Wrath of Khan is on here. Oh, with the ear thing? With yeah. The, in the ear, yeah. Watership Down. Well, that whole movie's nightmare fuel. Oh, God. Kill Bill Volume 2 with the, the, the coffin scene. That's pretty friggin' scary. The coffin scene? Kill Bill. She gets buried alive. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, no. I, I'm I'm trying to think of another jump scare. My for me, the, the, the jump scare in that in Cabo Volume Two is when the the uh, snake is inside the thing. Oh yeah, and then <clears throat> for the the one that, of course, and then the my favorite part of that whole fight is how cocky she's being, and then she just gets her eye plucked out, and then the whole time she's just flipping out back and forth like. Oh yeah, train spotting. That's another one that's got the the terrifying scene where the guy Oh where he's sees his dead baby. Off. Yeah, he yeah. sees his dead baby crawling on the ceiling and the baby's head turns. Oh yeah. Disney movies had nightmare fuel in them. Snow White and friggin' Dumbo and Winnie the Pooh. Hey, you wanna just freak everybody out? Throw that shit in there. Even Pinocchio when he turns into the donkey, that shit's funny. Oh yeah. That is terrifying, too, because the kid's screaming Ooh, for his mother. Shitty, shitty bang bang with the kid catcher for the Nazi segment. 
Oh, yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. What about a friggin' Pee Wee's Big Adventure, Large Marge? That was that was unnecessary. See, there's scary stuff in not scary movies. Uh, why has it got to be like this, guys? <laughs> All right. So we've talked about a lot of scary stuff, but let's let's kick it back to Dan. Because Dan's been watching the Game of Thrones, and we need to catch up. Okay, yeah. So last time we talked, I had watched through Episode 7. I have now seen through Season 2, Episode 2. Okay, so, so let's... Little did I know that Episode 8 is when everything happens. <laughs> yes. So we actually covered up to Golden Crown. So let's go off... I'm going to I'm gonna do the recaps here, and we'll, we'll have Dan give his thoughts and... Eric, from whatever you remember, because... The king has been gored by a boar and is going to die. Yes. Ah, yes. <clears throat> so we also know that we get to... You've, you've got to meet Lord Tywin. Because Jamie's like, I'm going to attack River Run. He's like, okay, well, here you go. This will, uh... This is going to cause war with the Starks, but the Lannisters will get to rule the Seven Kingdoms if you do this. You also get to learn... We're in episode 7, You Win or You Die. We learn um, Osha reveals that the wildlings are fleeing north of the wall because of the White Walkers. That's a a very important plot point. Keep that in mind. We also know that Benjen's horse returns, but without Benjen. Yes. There's more of that in this next episode. Yes. And then Ghost shows up, and he's just got a hand. It's like, okay, so that's that might be a problem. As they're taking their vow to, to, before the old gods. Yes. <clears throat> also, this is important uh, in Daenerys' storyline. She's like, hey, Khal, Drago, I've got this great idea. Let's invade my homeland. And at first he's like, nah, and then one of the other guys steps to him and he kicks his ass. And he's <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> I, I will get this chair for my woman and my son will sit upon it. Exactly. Also, we get the important stuff. Jorah has received a royal pardon and gets a tip off that Danny's going to get poisoned. And he actually saves her. That is important for future important. future plots. So, yes, so we're back in uh, in King's Landing here. So, of course, Ned goes up to Cersei and she's like, were your children fathered by Jamie?" And she's like, no, I love Robert. But he had an affair with your damn sister. Oh yeah, she tells the story about like when they, when she got married, it was the happiest day of her life, and then he was drunk, fucked a bunch of other chicks, crawled up on top of her, called her Stark's sister's name. Yep, and that's when she knew. And she's like, "He does it all the time. He crawls on top of me after he's all fucked those other chicks, and he's drunk. I have never once let him come inside me. Essentially, she says, I've always given him a handy. He's too drunk to know the difference."
And here's well, that's where nice Well, here's where Ned <laughs> fucks up. This is this is important. The, Ned fucks up in episode seven because he reveals. Well, first of all, we know that uh, that Robert's been mortally wounded. He's going to die by a boar. So he's dictating his last will and testament to Ned, and he goes, "You're going to sit on the throne until Joffrey comes of age." So what does Ned write in there instead? My rightful heir, which wouldn't actually be Joffrey, but rather be his brother Stannis. And Stannis, Stannis, right? And if uh, if it's not Stannis, then it could also be Renly. And of course, he also says, "Make Joffrey a better man," and. When Daenerys comes, let her live. Don't. So, of course, Renly's just like, hey, Ned, I've got a great idea here. Why don't you? Let's do a coup against the Lannisters. And Ned's like, no, I'm going to tell Stannis. And then he's like, hey, Littlefinger, you want to hear a secret? Uh, Joffrey's an incest baby. And what we should do is if he can't rule, we should make Renly the king. Even though his ideas are right, Littlefinger hates him because he's fucking the woman he loves. Yeah. And so he's going to turn on him anyway. And I hate that I love that character so much. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it goes back and forth a lot, actually. I, like, I've, I've loved him every second, except for when he turned on him there at the episode. I was like, God damn it. But what if I love you still? <laughs> so Robert dies. Renly flees. Joffrey crowns himself. And then... Yeah, before he even knows what's going on, they've already taken over. Yeah. And Ned's like, well, here's Robert's will. And Cersei's like, no, it's not. And just tears it up. Yeah. And, and then... he's led to believe that he has the guard in his pocket. And he doesn't. Nope, they slaughter the men, and then Littlefinger pulls a knife on him and goes, I warned you not to trust me. That's all because he's in love with the guys. Yes. All right, so, by the way, uh, before we get too much further here, we're doing these recaps. Um, when we do a full series recap at the end, our good friend and patron, Brian, has requested to be on that show, too. When I finish the show, okay. Yes, so we'll we'll keep that in mind, Brian. We haven't forgotten. I've said it on air, so if I forget, you can be well, like, I've "No, watched, episode no episodes in the last week." So, like, I need to. It's gonna be I, a while. I gotta find a a balance between a few things. So. Mid, de- maybe by mid December, we'll see. <laughs> I mean, I could just like I could get in the right spot and do it all next week, or. Yeah, it yeah. might be mid-December. But if you're like me, you have no idea where you're going with this. So <laughs> so let's go to the pointy end. This is episode eight. So we have Tyrion basically bribing people to be like, hey, take me to my father. So they're going to do that. And Bronze with him. Uh, yeah, I guess like the, the, the people in the woods or whatever. All the various different factions that live in that yes. area. Uh, in the Eerie, Caitlin learns that Rob is calling the banners of the North to war against the Lannisters, and Ned's in prison. <clears throat> and she's like, Lysa, why didn't you tell me? She's like, all right, you know what? Send the Knights of the Vale. And Lysa's like, 
Uh, no, because Rob can't win this. <laughs> so I won't be doing that. So the veil's out. Veil does not have your back. Uh, we also have Maester Lewin, who's a bit smarter than the others. Because he gets a letter from Sansa. It's like, she's being manipulated by Cersei. So Rob is just like, well, then I'm going to call the Stark Bannerman to war. Uh, Bran, you're in charge of Winterfell. What a great idea. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> dude, dude, a bombmaster thing is, is freaking um, Arya is in her lesson yeah. when they come to get her. Yep. And he's whooping these guys' ass with a wooden sword. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Sure is. Oh my god. So, of course, uh, Tywin's like, all right, Tyrion, you made promises to the tribesmen. I'll tell you what, I'll honor that, but they have to become la- part of Lannister's army, and you got to accompany them. You're the insurance. Oh, and by the way, you will be with the Vanguard. <laughs> yep. And it's just then- hilarious because of what happens to him. Yep, because he te- he sends the scout, and he's like, Rob's sending 20,000 men against Tywin. So we'll see how that turns out. <laughs> Meanwhile, at the Wall, all of Benjen's fellow rangers have been dead for weeks, but there's no decay on them. Cold so, up there. Yeah. And then, of course, uh, Sir Alistair... Mocks Ned, John tries to attack him. And that's when Ghost is like, hey, John, we should go investigate the commander's quarters. And here comes a dead ranger. And John kills it with fire. And then they're just like, yep, we're not leaving these bodies to chance, so let's burn them all. Which is what you should have done in the first place. Oh yeah, that was the, they got their jobs, and John got the steward's job when he's obviously the best person for a ranger. But then Sam's like, "No, dude, if you're t- if you're the top guy's right hand man, that means he's grooming you to be in charge." Yes. Later. Uh, meanwhile, Carl Drago takes down a village, and. Danny's the Khaleesi, and she's like, hey, raiders, you're going to marry the captured women instead of enslave them. And the raider gets so mad, but it's okay, because Drogo kills him, and he gets wounded. And they're like, okay, well, we have a village healer, so she's going to heal you. Except this bitch is trying to make a point instead of doing her job. Exactly. More on that in the next episode. Of course, Ned and Sansa have been detained. Sirio holds off the Kingsguard, allowing Arya to escape. And accidentally murders a stable boy who just tries to stop her. So Cersei, of course, convinces her, write this letter. uh, Come to King's Landing. Swear yourself to Joffrey. And we're going to award you with lordship. So Tywin is now hand to the king. Jamie is Lord Commander of the Kingsguard. Sansa is like, can you please spare my father? And Joffrey's like, okay. If Ned confesses to treason 
and accepts me as a rightful king, I will show mercy. End episode eight. <laughs> That's where you're at, huh? So let's go to episode nine. No, we, we've got season two, episode two. Yeah, we have four more oh. episodes to recap okay. or three more episodes. Uh, for, for some weird reason, I, I heard you were at like uh, episode eight, season one, episode eight. No, that's where I was last time we talked. Yeah, uh, but we didn't recover these episodes. We didn't cover them. We stopped after. What a terrific episode to stop at. <laughs> yeah, literally, like, episode seven ended. And I wait, wait, watch where, which, where are you in season two? You've seen the second episode, or that's the I have one? seen the second episode. Okay, okay, so we've got four more to talk about. All right, so this is episode nine, Baylor. I'm so happy we're finally doing this, by the way, because I've, I've wanted to do this for a while, and... And I'm I, I'm also stoked you're enjoying the show because it is really good. Like seriously, don't listen to what everybody else says about the ending because you might actually like it. Because I know you, Dan. And every now and again, when it seems like everybody's shitting on something, you've turned around and been like, "I loved it," and I don't understand why they shit on it. That's why I was like, "Okay, then ignore everybody and watch it yourself and tell me what you think at the end." That's important. <clears throat> so. We'll start off with the Riverlands. The Stark army has reached the Twins. And it's being controlled by Walder Frey. And as soon as you saw who it was, you're like, well, there's only one way this is going to go. Because Walder Frey is played by David Bradley. Mm -hmm. And he only ever plays one type of character. (laughs) A dead (laughs) An asshole. (laughs) All right, so he goes, all right, so here's what's going to happen, guys. You're going to cross my river, and I'll commit to you in return. Marcus, yeah, he's all pissed because everyone, like, treats him like shit, and they don't do any of the normal kingly stuff with him. Yeah. And they're like, you don't, I haven't been, none of my daughters have married any of your sons, none of your sons, have, none of my sons have married any of your daughters. Yep. So the agreement is that Rob and Arya are going to marry two of his children. That is the agreement that is made here. That Rob is... gets to choose, though. <laughs> Rob gets to choose, yes. This is and he the... even asks his mother, were any of them even remotely attractive? And he's like, well, there's one that's not completely ugly. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, whatever, I gotta do it. I guess we'll do it. <laughs> <clears throat> so Tyrion is just like, uh, hey, Tywin. So what's going to happen with the uh, the vanguard here? Am I going to die or what's going to happen? So Tyrion and Bronn and Shay swap some stories. And Tyrion's like, you know, I was once married to a woman. But it was revealed that the father okay, was... It was a thing that his father and his brother did. Yeah. Just to get him laid. And then... So he could be a hero for once. And then he had to watch the guardsmen rape her, which is just terrible. So, of course, Tyrion gets trampled as the Stark family. Yeah, because the battle comes out of nowhere. Yep. And so he runs, and of course, he's this little midget guy, and he just gets run over by all the other people. Yep. But it was only 2,000 men, so they're defeated easily. Like, where's the other 18,000? I'm like, they're busy defeating Jaime Lannister, and they capture him. So there you go. Jamie's been captured. So you also, in this episode, you get to Jon Snow gets Longclaw. But he can't join his brother. 
And that's when Maester Aemon reveals to John that he's like, you know, I'm actually a Targaryen. The Mad King's uncle. Danny's great uncle. And he's like, listen, John, the choice you must make between the Night's Watch and the family will haunt you the rest of your life. So John's got to make a choice here. And he chooses wrong. But then his friends bring him back. <laughs> <laughs> he chose wrong, bitch. He chose wrong. <laughs> so, of course, uh, Jorah's like, you know, if Khal Drago dies, his blood riders are going to fight to be a success- successor. They're going to kill you and your unborn child. And Danny's like, well, I'm not abandoning my husband. You use your blood magic. So she does this spell, and she's like, well, you no know, one... I have, to have, I have to take a life for a life. Yep. And of course... And then bring so... in his horse, so you think they're going to kill the horse. Nope. For the switch. And no, because she immediately goes into shock. She goes into labor. Labor. The midwives won't help. So Jorah's having a panic attack, and he's trying to save her. And he grabs her and brings her right into the room where they're doing the thing. I'm like, why didn't you bring her to somewhere else? Anywhere else. <laughs> anywhere else. Any other TP. <clears throat> Come on, you dumbass. So, of course, in King's Landing, the last thing we're going to talk about, it's Varys who steps up and he's like, you know, Sansa's life's also at stake here. So Ned's like, all right, I'm going to do this and swear loyalty to save my daughter. Because Ned is the noblest man in Westeros. They do that thing where they're like, uh, I, I forget the name of the channel, but they do this. There's this really fun YouTube channel where they rank characters from good to evil. Mm-hmm. And the one they did for Game of Thrones, Ned is literally number two on the list. The only character more pure than Ned in all of Westeros is Hodor. According to this list, Ned is the purest soul. And all, like, Ned, all Ned had to do was like the teensiest of lies in the history of lies and he would have been fine. Him and his fellow would be fine. Yep. <laughs> the show would have been over so fast. <laughs> Me, even the king might not have, not have died. <laughs> like, depending upon where his one little lie happens. But here's the thing. This is the important thing. When Ned does the confession and Joffrey orders the execution... You notice that as soon as he notices that Arya is actually being rescued, he just kind of accepts his fate and lets it happen. That's also important. Yeah, and too. he's like my my woman and my mother have both said I should be lenient and let him live and you know do whatever you know rot yeah. or be his kind of servant. And he's like, but these are the weakness of women, and he's gonna die. Yes. Again, again, things might have been okay, but Joffrey immediately goes to, I must show myself to be strong. I have to be stupidly overly strong. Now, keep keep something very important in mind. This is going to be good for character development. Cersei did not want him to do what he did, because she no, knew what was going to happen. He it literally, like, he, because he's just a little kid, a little pussy of a kid. He's going overboard, and there's many times already, and just like the four episodes that I've seen where he's been king, where he's gone too far. Yep, and and it's gonna bite him in the ass because he has to because he feels like he has to 
show himself to be the big bad king. So do you know the actor who plays him, Jack Leeson, is apparently, like, the nicest kid in the world? And him and Sophie, Sophie Turner are actually, like, friends in real life. And when you watch the show, you're like, really? But that's called acting, people. Hope so. You guys spend so much time. Well, Lena Headey has said that people will come up to her conventions and be like, I don't like you. Your character's a bitch. I don't want your autograph. And she loves that. She's like, good. That means my portrayal of Cersei works. And I'm like, yes, that is. That's the perfect attitude. So but let's you dumbass marks think it's real. <laughs> all right. So let's wrap up season one with fire and blood. The final episode. So, of course, Maester Lewin has to tell Brandon Rickon what happened. Ned has been executed. What's going to happen to them? We shall find out. Uh, Rob is just like, he, he finds out and he's like, well, that's it. The Lannisters are done. And Caitlin's like, okay, I agree, but we got to find the girls. So oh, the, everybody like dealing with in the news. <clears throat> yeah, pretty and she's much. like walking around. She's like crying, but she knows she has to do her motherly duties. Yes. And he's just like hacking up a tree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's just, well, he's pissed. I mean, it's right. And then just like, oh, look what you did, Rob. You ruined your sword. So of course the the men of the of the north now say that Rob is actually the king of the north and they want the north to be independent. They're not going to support Stannis or Renly. They want Rob to be the king. Because they're the king of the north. Yes. And they're like, "Well, you know how they're going to respond to that." And he's like, "Yes, I do." <laughs> and Jamie confesses to Caitlyn Stark that he pushed Bran out the window. He doesn't say why. But he confesses that it happened. Indeed. Uh, Tywin is unable to sue for peace. So he goes to Tyrion. He's like, go to King's Landing. Become Hand of the King. And keep Joffrey under the con- under control, damn it. Yeah, because I have to go back home and deal with the war. Yes. And Tyrion, so you get to go into the city and, and deal with the king. But don't bring your whore with you. Brings the whore with <laughs> hey, you. Bring, so what does he do? He brings the whore. <laughs> brings the whore with him. Well, Tyrion's going to Tyrion, I suppose. So, of course, Joffrey has does that part where he's just like, takes Sansa and goes, look at your father's head on the spike. Yeah, that scene. Holy fuck. And then there's the part where she sees that they're like five stories up. Yeah. And I'm like, is she going to jump or is she going to like tackle him and kill them both? And Joffrey's. Oh, that would have been a great. But then they stop her. Right. Joffrey's like, Rob's head's going to be up there soon. And that's when uh, he's like, hey, Sir Merrin, slap her. And he does. And that's- oh, yeah. Yeah. My mother says that the king should never hit his queen or whatever. Yeah. So I'm going to have him hit you instead. Yep. <laughs> And, of course, the Hound is like, uh, listen, just obey him for your own safety. Sound advice from the Hound. Yes. He's, he's not a bad dude. Not yeah. too shabby. And Arya, because she got rescued by a Nightwatch recruiter, disguises herself as a boy, 
and heads to the wall with the new recruits, mm-hmm. including Robert's bastard Gendry and one of the best-named characters on the show, Hot Pie. Also, this is another one of the things, because it hasn't come up yet, but another Joffrey fuck-up. Oh, yeah. Is, is, to tell, is to tell them to track down the bastards and kill them all. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's a big fuck-up. Well, that's why Gendry's fleeing, too. So, of course... John's trying to get out of the Night Watch, and that's when Sam and Pip and Gren are all like, uh, no, you're not doing that. But then, J.R. Mormon's just like, alright, so here's what's going to happen. We're going to go on an expedition beyond the wall. Because we're going to figure out what's going on with these wildlings and the White Walkers, and we're going to find Benjamin. So that's where they leave off. But of course, that all pales into... into comparison to I, I what happened. Because he, he starts talking to John and he's like, I heard about your little uh, trip yesterday. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, if I, if we executed people for every time they started to leave, we would have nobody on the wall. Yeah, there'd be literally nobody left to defend <laughs> to defend the wall. <laughs> so, uh, Such a good line. <laughs> uh, but here's where uh, here's where it gets good. Because we end with Daenerys. So she learns that her unborn son died. Her unborn son died because of the Became spell. an abomination and then died, yeah. Khal uh, Drago was saved, but now he's basically a vegetable. And nobody wants to follow him anymore. And that's when the lady reveals that, yep, I did this on purpose. So Danny does a mercy kill. And then... Mercy kill? You call that a mercy kill? Well, for for Drago, she does a mercy kill. Then she takes Mary and ties her to the funeral pyre. And she says, I'm not going to scream. And then she screams like... And then she screams. And then she walks (laughs) into the fire. Yup. With the eggs. Oh, that's the best part. And she walks out of the fire. on top of the pyre, like on top of Drago. Oh, yeah. And then the next day, they come back later... And it's just all that's left is her and the the newborn dragons, the first in 300 years, and everybody just bows. Everybody that's left, yeah. <laughs> all right, so season one, Dan, recap. So what do you fun. think? Good good stuff, right? Now, I had heard that Jason Momoa is not in very long. Yeah, he's I didn't realize he was going to be in less than fucking John Bean. <laughs> <laughs> Well, they, they got the same number of episodes, pretty much. But yeah, yeah, I get it. I got gotcha. you. I knew, but that's that's man. And to think at episode one, she's just as like, I mean, to talk about how she's a woman now, but she's pretty much a little girl. She's basically yeah. She's basically just being thrown and around, and like, and then sold. she like realizes like by episode two, she's like, I need to embrace this because this is the person I'm going to be. Oh, she embraces it all right. And then fucking, like, episode three, she realizes she's, like, almost as powerful as the call is, and then all the other stuff happens, and now she's got fucking baby dragons. She's got dragon blood. She's dragonborn. Yeah, her brother isn't the dragon she is, because the flames didn't hurt. Exactly. All right, so let's recap two episodes from season two real quick here. We'll do the North Remembers. This is how... Season 2 kicks off, so we'll start with Dragonstone. 
So here is Stannis Baratheon. I believe this is the first time you see him in the flesh, right? This is the first time we see him, first time Alessandre, first time any of this stuff. Yes, okay. Oh, yeah, and then, because uh, the one... Oh, yeah, because the, 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 the guy from uh, episode one is in this. Yeah. And they're doing, like, some weird thing on the beach with the fires, and then just, like, all this new god stuff. And the one guy's pissed because they're ignoring the old gods. Yes. And he's like, and it's written that the, the rightful king will take the sword out of the fire. Stannis sends out the message. He's like, all of Robert's supposed heirs are the products of incest between Cersei and Jaime. So he, like, actually gets the note from Rob, and then he sends it out to everybody else. So by the end of, like, episode one of season two, the whole fucking world knows. Exactly. <laughs> But Stannis, Which is why he goes crazy and has all and says all the bastards need to get killed. And you, oh, you meet, oh, that's right, you meet Davos in this one, Sir Davos Seaworth. Yes, very important character. He'll, he's he's a big, he becomes a pretty big player because he's like, hey, you know what you should do? You should, you should align with Rob Stark. And he's like, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> fuck Rob. Fuck my brother. So there, Stannis. So in the Riverlands, we get um, Rob actually tells Jamie Stannis' letter. And he's like, so, Bran's crippled, and Ned's dead, because of Joffrey. <clears throat> so here's what we're going to do. We're going to send your cousin with ter for terms of peace, and you're going to return my sisters and Ned's remains. But what he doesn't know... Is Theon Greyjoy's coming back into the picture here? And he's like, hey, Dad? Can oh, this fucking thing. Yeah. He's grabbing his sister's tits and. <laughs> you didn't know it was me? Why'd you let me do it? <laughs> it's a lot. It's a... Right, it is a story for the grandchildren. <laughs> yeah, that, there's a lot going on at the Iron, the Iron Islands. Over here. He's like, hey, can I have the naval force? And of course, Caitlin's like, well, I'm going to go and get an alliance with Renly. He's like, so, Rob, here's the deal. Ned's going to be really proud of you, but uh, Lord Balin Greyjoy, don't trust him. We'll see how that turns out. Like, they essentially said, we're going to do it, but not on your terms. <laughs> So, uh, so Bran sees the red comet, and he goes, "So is that a victory of war?" And Osha's like, "Nope, it means the dragons are back." Yeah, it's like, so, well, some people say the uh, a, a bloody war is coming and you're going to win. Others say it's a bloody war is coming and you're going to lose. But I know <clears throat> dragons are back, bitches. Exactly. And guess who's correct? <laughs> uh, not the crippled kid. Nope, Tonks Tonks has the win on this one. Oh, <laughs> uh, you get to see go to Craster's Keep. Here the guy all he does is fuck his own daughters. Oh yeah. <laughs> Once they become old enough, he marries them, and then they have daughters. And the the whole thing is like, so what do they do with the boys? They just they murder them. Well, you find out what they do with the boys. 
You will discover that. Yes, that's at the, the ending of episode two. And they're like, there's a wildling leader named Mance Raider. That's going to be another Harry Potter actor, by the way. That's the guy who okay. plays Aberforth. He's like, he's amassing a mar- an army to move south. And Mormon's like, uh, John, I'm going to need you to kind of step up on this one. <laughs> so over at the Red Waste, we have Daenerys. And she's trying to make that that trip. And she's like, all right, I'm sending out my riders. Find us some shelter because we're in the middle of nowhere. In each direction. To sand in each direction. And we all know how we feel about sand. Fucking hate sand. (laughs) (laughs) And of course, back at King's Landing, we're celebrating Joffrey. And Sansa saves the drunkard fool. Oh, no, he saves the drunkard making... And Joffrey's like, just make him a fool. So Sansa's doing her part to spare some lives here. And then you got Tyrion. He's like, well, I'm going to be hand to the king now. But Cersei, you let Arya escape, so... So you kind of suck at this, because we were going to trade the Stark girls for Jamie, and now we can't do that, because you let one go. And then, of course, here's Stannis' letter, and Cersei's like, yeah, that's just gossip. Uh... And that's when all of Robert's bastards get murdered. But one of them has already left. The fucking baby in the whorehouse? (laughs) Oh my god, yeah. there's It's just tons of murderous murdering. And then the guy won't do it, so the the leader of the guard does it. Yep. Ugh, it's terrible. Alright, so you're on episode two, so let's quickly cover the Nightlands, and then we'll leave off so you can catch back up again when we get to it. So this, of course, is we have Tyrion and he's talking to Varys. There's going to be a lot of Tyrion and Varys that comes up on this show. And they're like, Rob's got peace terms. And the small council's like, nope. And the Night's Watch is like, we need more men. They're like, nope. (laughs) So the City Watch commander... He's just like, well, I'm not going to say who ordered the purge of the bastard children. So Tyrion's like, well, then you're going to the Night Watch. And Bronn's going to take your place. So now he's the City Watch commander. That was quite a scene, by the way. That's a good scene. And And he's like, no, I can't trust you because you killed the last hand. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, you're out of here. And then, of course, when Cersei's, like, trying to get in his shit, he's just like, listen, Joffrey ordered the purge, and I'm going to tell you right now, it's going to be difficult to rule over millions who want you dead. Please listen to Tyrion Lannister. For God's sake, listen to Tyrion Lannister. Because they all have their connections and their people, and just... Mistake. It's a mistake. And then comes the scene where the guys come up on the people heading to the wall. And Arya thinks it's for her. It's not. No. Uh, Davos and his son, they start recruiting some pirates to join. Oh, yeah, that's a fun one. 
And Stannis is like, I want a son. And Melisandre is like, well, I'll give you one if you give in to the Lord of Light. Yeah, so she's like, (laughs) yeah, so you should fuck me so we can do the thing. And he's like, no. And then she's like, well, your your, uh, wife is dumb, bitch. You never gave you a son. I'll give you a son. He's like, you can give me a son. Let's fuck right now. (laughs) Uh, Spoiler alert, they fuck. And ruin all the war plans. <laughs> of course, uh, we 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 have Theon back at home, and he's like, "Oh, that's my sister." So he's just like, "Hey, uh, Rob's gonna make you king of the Iron Islands," and ba- Lord Balin's like, "No, I'm gonna take the crown with Yara." Oh, by the way, that's your sister. He's like, "Well, son of a bitch, <laughs> she's gonna helm the fleet." Yeah, so essentially he's just just like, yeah, we're gonna do, we're gonna essentially do what you want us to do, but we're gonna do it on our terms, not your terms. Yeah, basically, Balin's gonna just take over the North himself and say, "Fuck it." So, and Danny's gonna seek revenge because one of her carriers' horses comes back, and there's just a severed head in a pouch. And Jorah's like, "Well, that's another call sending a message." She's like, "Well, they're done." And the one girl freaks the fuck out because the way they killed him means that he doesn't get to go to the afterlife or whatever. Yeah, whatever their deal is. <clears throat> uh, City Watchmen searching for Gendry. And Gendry's like, hey, Arya, I know you're a girl. She's like, yeah, I'm Arya Stark. And, uh... Shit. And that's when the guys show up. Yep. And she thinks it's for her, but it's for him! But the guys, like, I don't give a fuck once they have given themselves to the Watch. They're part of the Watch. They don't have their name or their lives anymore. Pretty sweet. And he's like, I'll cut your dick off, dude. Get the <laughs> fuck out of here. And then there's the the, the Craster's Keep scene to, clo- to close up when Samuel Tarley's like, Hey, uh, this lovely young girl named Gilly, she's pregnant, and I want to get her out of here. He's like, but what happens if she has a son? What does Craster do with his sons? And that's when John follows him, taking the newborn out. And he just leaves the baby on the ground until a White Walker comes and retrieves it. And then jump scare, and then the episode ends. Yep. So there you go. All right, well... That will end the Game of Thrones catch-up. The next time we come to you, if Dan has watched more episodes, we will review them then. And if you guys ever want to check out some of the Game of Thrones scenes for yourself, go to emersoncotton.teletravel.com and book a trip to go on a Game of Thrones location tour. That's how I'm going to work the sponsor in this week. Or is that New Zealand mostly, probably? Uh, pretty much all England, Finland. Oh, uh, England. Yeah, that's it's all it's pretty much all European locations. I believe it's mostly. Yeah, I don't think they traveled too much to other places, but I, I don't know. I'd, I'd actually have to look that up. But I know that there are a lot of places you can visit. I think King's Landing is a, an actual city that they use in Eastern Europe they use as the background they just you know cgi in the castle and everything but the actual cityscape is for the most part the same thing but 
Yeah, there's quite a lot to it here. Eric, what the hell are you posting? Oh, God, I've seen this. <laughs> All right. All right, guys. Well, we've, re- we've reached the end of the episode here. Uh, I want to thank everybody. I want to thank our awesome sponsor, Adrian Cotton, for helping keep the show free. I want to thank our patrons, patreon.com slash club kayfabe. Uh, new content. Going to try to – until we uh, – Get back into the swing of things with the wrestling stuff. I'm going to try to continue to put out straight shootings or some other stuff with Dan that we can we can focus on here. Uh, I want to give shout-outs to our partners, uh, Tom with Watch Me Cook on YouTube, the Blake and Sal show, just did a pretty fun episode, uh, the United We Fan podcast, just celebrating their, I believe they are just celebrating 10,000. They hit the 10,000 goal. And Mark gave me a shout-out for helping get him into the podcasting game. So shout-out to you guys as well. Congratulations on 10,000, by the way. It's a great achievement. Welcome to the 10,000 Club. And, yeah, that's all pretty much for, for plugs, really. Um, Dan, you want to quickly plug your uh, your streaming plans for everybody? Uh, we're going to do a stream, hopefully, every day this month for Spooptober. Over at twitch.tv slash ckcc online. Um, yeah. yeah, more Dan than me, but I'm going to attempt to to get in that as much as possible. Um, Eric, you got anything going on you want to shout out? How's the puppy? I'm so tired. <laughs> I know this is like this is like one of Eric's quietest episodes because that puppy's just beating you up, man. Oh, dude, like, you have no idea. Like, <laughs> they say that puppies are supposed to sleep, like, 20 hours out of the day. And I'm just like, when? What day? No, 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 no. <laughs> they, they lied to you. It's, it's, it, 20 hours of the day, the puppy's super active and alert. That's how it works. Well. I don't think I can handle it. <laughs> <laughs> well. Yeah, it's actually one of my quieter episodes, hasn't it? It really is. I know, but you, we knew you were kind of. You're kind of tired here, but it's all good, man. You, uh, you, you, uh, rest up and keep the, uh, you keep that puppy going. See more. Hopefully I'll chill out and then it'll be like a good pup. And then, uh, the things will go back to normal. I think in the meantime, tomorrow I'm watching more letter, Kenny. There you go. So we'll do it. We'll do an update on Eric's letter. Kenny progress. We'll save that for next week. We'll, uh, catch you up there because that's a that's a nice easy binge so yeah all right and i've been uh i've been doing the dragon ball kai watch because when dan gets back into it i was like well it's been a while i haven't done the kai rewatch i've only ever watched kai in its entirety twice up to the cell saga and only once for majin buu when it was airing new so a lot of it's kind of new here but um without giving anything away uh Shit just went down on Planet Namek. Uh, five minutes and a lot of gold. So Eric knows where I am. <laughs> yep. But I mean, yep, 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 yep. yes, but Dragon Ball Z Kai gets infinitely better than Dragon Ball as it continues on. And I think Super is a pretty good series, too. So Super I, is great. I think, you know what's funny, though? The entire Frieza arc on Kai is a, like, I'm only exaggerating a little bit, and this is what was so fucked up, is about as short as it took them to make the fucking wish. Basically. (laughs) Basically, yeah. 
No, the Frieza arc is short because they had that part where the manga, they caught up to the manga and they had to exa- exacerbate the fight. There's some good stuff in there. When, when, when we actually do the review when Dan's watching it, I'll go over some of the changes and some of the stuff they took out that I, I kind of wish they had left some stuff in. There's some stuff they took out that I really wish they had left in, specifically what goes on on King Kai's planet during the Frieza arc. Oh, that's just fun, yeah. Yeah, I wish they had kept some of that stuff in. But it's still good. It The thing is, the, it, I forgot how quickly the pace moves with like the battles and everything, because where I am with the, the Frieza stuff um, in the regular show... I mean, I'm up to, like, the big Frieza fight, and in the regular show, I think he's still, they're either arri- still arriving, or he's, it's still early on with, like, going through the planet and everything. There's still a bit think, going on there. I love the Frieza, or, like, the Namek saga, just in general, but there's just one part of it that just, it, it felt like it dragged way too long in the normal one, and that's when Goku is in, uh... In the recovery mode. Yeah, well, that drags on in Kai as well, but... Yeah, okay. Yeah, so that's the thing, Dan, you have to remember, is if it seems like Goku could just kick these guys' asses, they have to find a way to take him out of the picture so he can't just kick everybody's ass. <laughs> it's always... <laughs> they gotta write him out of the... They gotta write him out of the equation. You ever notice it's always an injury of some sort, or an illness? And it's just like, okay, well, why Goku can't fight this time? Uh, hey, sick. Heart attack? Heart attack. All right. Heart attack. Heart we'll attack. Go. We'll do ooh, a heart attack. Uh, he heart hurt. Attack. He hurt. He ain't getting up. All right. Cool. Well, we'll just go with that. Well, why can't Vegeta fight? Uh, he's having another kid. <laughs> yeah, something like what? that. Yeah. Jesus Christ. All right. Well, you, what what they what is fun though that they keep in is uh, when they keep in some of the stuff with Bulma dealing with Planet Namek by herself, and she's just like, "Why does this planet hate me?" <laughs> Her her comedy spots are pretty good. All right, so that wraps up everything for this week. Uh, if we miss anything, we'll get you next week. We're going to continue Spooptober. Let us know in the comments if there's anything else October-related you want us to talk about. We've done candy rants before. Maybe we could talk about, like, Halloween memories, some of our favorite costumes and everything, and... We could, have, we could have some fun with that. Let us know what you guys want us to talk about. Until then, thanks for listening to The Nerd Table, and we'll see you guys next week. See ya. This has been another episode of The Nerd Table on CKCC Radio. Check out all the shows at ckccradio.com and make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode.